And this is when the Torah begins to get a little technical sides for Parshish Mishpatim, but we've been doing, you know, it's been pretty easy sailing uh, this far. And now it starts to uh, get a little technical, the details of the Karbanes that for many of us are a little confusing and, uh, and, and things that we're not really accustomed to. But yet there's a lot of Musar within all of the details, all of the thousands of halachas of Teres Kaihanim. There are many, many beautiful rayanis, beautiful ideas that we could take and use. In the parasha of Ayikra, in Parakei, it speaks about something called a chatas oila v'yayri, which is that there is a chatas, there's a carbon chatas that a person brings when he does certain averis, not all averis, but certain averis, for example, Tomas Miktesh v'kadashov, Shvuas Bitoy and Shvuas Eidos. There are certain types of Shvuas, certain types of oaths that a person makes wrongly, and he has to bring such a chatas, and he, or Tumas Mikdash Vikadashiv, entering the Mikdash in a state of Tumma, touching, Kachim. All of these things require a special type of chatas that the Torah says is called a chatas oila v'yayreid. And what that means is, is that there are three levels depending on your tax bracket, depending on your income level, that you would have to be a sliding scale chatos. Which means that if a person is a wealthy person, if a person can afford a pricier carbon, so he should bring a kisva or a seira. Those are uh, relatively expensive animals. They're not the most expensive animals. They're not a par. But it's certainly expensive. A female lamb or a goat if you can't afford that then you go down to a lower level carbon which is different types of doves, turtle doves that you bring in lieu of your chat for your chatos that's the second level and then if you can't afford that the Torah has rachmanis on you and the Torah says you can bring even a lower level chatos and that's called a chatas of, like a mincha, an asiris ha'efa silas. It's a little bit of silas, very inexpensive, offering just a little, how much does a little flour cost? A little chvesa, an asiris ha'efa is not a lot, a very light measure of flour. And that's what you bring to the kayin as your carbon. So that's why it's called a chatas oila v'yayreid, because you have, it goes up and down, there's a sliding scale depending on your, your wealth or your poverty, that's how the carbon would be determined. This seems to be a very, you know, interesting thing, but it doesn't seem to be too practical to Nagaya to us. Especially Bismanena, what do we have already? We don't have carbonus, so we don't have, all of these carbonus are not Nagaya. Or so one would think. But the Chavitz Chaim learns an amazing yisaid for an ashir from this carbon. And the second part of the Shemur will talk about a different yisaid that we learn for Aniyim. All from this carbon, Ayla Very practical 
an extremely practical Musar Shmuz from a carbon achatas oilaviyari. The Chavitz Chaim says that there's a Gemara in Krisus on the Chavchesam at Aleph, which says that if an usher would go and bring a carbon of an ani, let's say I'm a very wealthy guy, and I don't want to bring a kisva or a sira. I don't want, it's too much money, I don't want to spend that much. So instead I want to go and I want to bring Shnei Tayrim, Shnei Bnei or if I really want to cheap out, I would go and bring the, the, the Silas, the Asiris, Ahin Silas, the Asiris Ahifa. Would I be Yaisa or not? Would an usher that brings a carbon that's beneath him, would he be Yaitse his mitzvah, his chiv of achatas, oil of or not? And the Gemara says in Krisos that if an usher brings a carbon, ani la yatsi de Not only is he not Yaitse de says the Gemara, but he has a terrible aver on his head called havas chulen bazara. You brought chulen into the azara. You're not allowed to bring chulin into, you can't bring salmon animal into the azara and shaft it if there's no purpose. When you bring, when you're makr of your carbon, when you're makr of your, let's say, shnei sairim, or shnei bnei and you were supposed to have brought your kisvar sira, then that is an inappropriate carbon. Though shnei tarim or shnei bnei is called a, a chulin azara, that's chulin. For you, that's chulin. If you would be in a lower tax bracket, it would be fine. That would be your mitzvah. But because you're wealthier, you can't suffice with a lower level carbon. It just doesn't work for you. And it doesn't count, and it's bringing chulun la'azara. That's what the Gemara says. And the Chavetz Chaim learns a Gavaldiga lesson from this. And he says that tzedakah in our times is like a carbon. Just like a carbon is machaper, just like a carbon provides atonement, so too, when a person gives tzedakah, that atones. And so we have a very important lesson for the usher. Because a lot of times, ashirim, for some reason, they don't give the amount of tzedakah that they're supposed to. Why not? Not clear. You would think that if somebody, you know, is very wealthy... They would give nicer and they would give a ton of money to tzedakah. After all, you know, what are they going to do with it? How many steaks can they eat a day already? What can you do with millions and millions and millions of dollars? But for some reason, very often, Aniyim don't give as much as they should. Or if they do give a lot, it's still not a lot for them. Meaning a lot of times, I used to know somebody who daven in a shul in a, a different part of the country, a very out-of-town community. And in that community, it wasn't a wealthy community at all. People were pretty, you know, pretty middle class or, 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 or less. And he told me, and this guy happened to be a very wealthy guy, and he moved there. He used to live in Manhattan where everything was very expensive. He, he moved up there, and it's very cheap. And he says, unbelievable up here. He says, for, I could be such a big knocker with giving so little. You know, if, if in Manhattan, Tzicha for Niwa would go for $40,000, there was like $120 of Tzicha Niwa, and everyone goes, Psh, you know, and that's it. And I'm, I'm good, I'm good to go. 
you know, Mafter Yaina was a chvesa, you know, eighty dollars for Mafter Yaina. It's a joke. He says I'm mamish able to live to live large and 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 and, and not spend anything. It's gewaldic. And that's fine, but there's still archiyuvin. That doesn't absolve you just because you're the you're the you know you're the big shot in town. But everybody else is making fifty thousand dollars a year. You're making fifty million dollars a year. You have to give more than that. There's a chiyuv to give a lot more. And if an usher thinks that he's able to get away with giving less, albeit more than the average guy, but he's giving less than he's supposed to be giving. Then he has not been yaitze his chayvas He has not gotten atonement. He has to be very, very careful because an usher that brings a carbon ani is not yaitze the chayvasa. It's chuvan ba'azara. You're not yaitze, and it's a terrible avera because a person has to give according to what the rabbanim shalom benched him with. And if a person does not give what he's supposed to, if a person is mekamit, if a person cheats out. Then that's like an usher who's bringing a carbon ani. It's not yaitze. You can't feign anius when it comes when it comes to giving tzedakah. That's what the Chavetz Chaim teaches us. I heard a, a, a very cute ma'isa. It has to be understood a little bit, but the ma'isa took place. I just heard it this week. The ma'isa is a ma'isa about Rabbi Ephraim Zalman Margolius. Rabbi Ephraim Zalman Margolius was a Yid who lived from the years 1762 to 1828. So we're going back a couple of hundred years. He lived at the same time as Rabbi Kivager. And he was a very, very, very big Gavir. Tremendous Gavir. He was a banker. He got into a bank when he was young, and he and the bank took off like you know like tremendous. And he was able to have a manager for a lot of the bank's activities. He managed it a little bit, and he was one of the wealthiest yidden in the world. But not only was he very wealthy, he was one of the gedolei adar as well. He was a tremendous talmud chacham. He wrote amazing svarim. Many of the svarim that he wrote, we know, or some of them at least. The Mata Ephraim. Who hasn't heard of the Mata Ephraim? If ever you learn Mishnah Bura on Elo, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot, it's full of Mata Ephraim. Mata Ephraim is the classical sefer discussing that part of the year. All of the halachas that pertain to that, to the month of Tishrei, you'll find in the Mata Ephraim. That was one of Rabbi Ephraim Zalman's svarim. He had also a sefer called Shari Ephraim on Kriyas Hatayra. He had the base Ephraim, which was Chuvas. He had the Sefer Yad Ephraim, which is on his glosses to Shulchan Aruch. He was a Gavaldig Chacham, but he was an amazingly great Gavir. Just as an aside, just some nicest, unbelievable things. Rabbi Ephraim Zalman was a person that when he was learning Taira, he did not want to be disrupted at all. Nothing was to disrupt his learning. And so he would learn, let's say, half a day after davening straight until, let's say, one o'clock, two o'clock in the afternoon. Nothing was to interrupt his learning. He told the shamus, I don't care what happens, I don't care. And a lot of people wanted to speak to him. 
They wanted to speak to him for business, for whatever. The door is shut. No one is to come in to my study until after, until after the proper time. One morning, there was a, one of the biggest, the wealthiest people in the world showed up at Rabbi Chaim Zalman's door. Let's say, you know, let's say the Bill Gates of his time shows up, knocks on the door, needs a very important meeting with Rabbi Chaim Zalman Margolius. I have an opportunity of a lifetime, an IPO, you're going to be able to get in. It's going to be, you just have to give us a few million dollars, and I guarantee you it's going to be worth a billion dollars. You'll, you'll triple your, uh, ten times your, your investment. Whatever you invest, it's going to be unbelievable. I need to speak to Rabbi Margolius. So the shaman said, I'm sorry, Rabbi Margolius is not available. He has a policy, he's studying Talmud in that room, in his office. No one is to interrupt, it doesn't matter. He says, not even me? He said, not even you. He says, double check, just make sure, because this is the last, I'm not coming back. This is a deal, I think if he finds out that you didn't come and disturb him for this deal, I believe your job is going to be on the line. Anyway, the shamus knocks gently on the door and he sticks his head in and says, uh, Rebbe, uh, there is somebody here to see you, uh, Mr. Bill Gates. He, he says, what did I tell you? I am not to be disturbed until one o'clock. I am learning. Leave me alone. So, okay, sorry. Comes out. I'm sorry, Mr. Gates. Rabbi Margolis is not available till one o'clock. If you'd like to wait in the waiting room, we have a comfortable waiting room. You can have coffee. You can, but otherwise, you'll have to wait. So he was very, very upset. And then he didn't wait. We like to believe that these stories always end on a happy ending, that you know he waited and he was so impressed by his, you know, by his commitment to, to Tyra that he, you know, he doubled down on the investment. Whatever. That's not what happened. The guy stormed out in a huff and a puff, never to be seen again by Ephraim Zalman. And Rabbi Ephraim Zalman came out at one o'clock and said, what, what happened over there? So he says, no, you had a big deal and it was like a major IPO. Something was happening. You were going to invest very cheap. It was going to, so you'd think that Rabbi Ephraim Zalman would be very upset. He'd be very despondent and very disappointed. And he was so happy. He says, I am thrilled that he left. He says, because in Shemayim, they're going to judge a person by how much they valued the mitzvahs that they did. It's sort of like Priceline. You know, Priceline's motto is, name your own price. You get to paskin what something is. And the same thing is true with our Torah, with our mitzvahs. The way the chashibas that the Rabbanit looks at our Torah mitzvahs is through our eyes. If we're machshiv our Torah, that it's worth a billion dollar deal, then it will be worth in Shemaim a billion dollars. If we're machshivet, like, not so, it's not such a big deal. And, you know, every single thing that comes our way, we, we're Mavatul Taira for. Every single thing, you know, hey, you want to go with me to, uh, you know, to, you know, play a little ultimate frisbee now? Mm, yeah, okay. But I was going to learn, but, you know, that, that beats it. So basically, your schar for Taira, obviously, ultimate frisbee is more than Taira. So in Shemaim, they're going to give you a frisbee, and that's that's going to be your Elamaba. It depends on what you pass and what your Shemaim, what your Elamaba is. What is your Tyra? He says, now I've proved that my Tyra is priceless. And so he was very, very happy. 
There's one other great mice of a friend's arm, and I'm sorry, it's a little diversion, but I, 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 can't, I can't not say it. He was once, he was very close to Bikiveger, and Bikiveger used to, once had a grandchild, a granddaughter that got engaged, I believe, to a boy in the city of Brut. That was the, where Ephraim Zam was the Rav of the city of Brut, it's the Meridasa of Brut. And that's where sort of Kivega's granddaughter, let's say, was having her bar, but he couldn't make it. It was too far for him to travel. He would come to the Chasa, but not to the bar. So he writes a letter to Ephraim Zaman asking him, please, to be, to go to the bar, and you'll represent me. You'll sit on the, on the front table, you'll be Makabu, all the Mazel Tavs, and it'll be like your Simcha. Rabbi Ephraim Zaman wrote him back that I will, I'll be happy, it'll be my biggest honor. And something strange happened the night of the Vart. See, normally, Rabbi Ephraim Zalman used to, if he'd have to go to a Vart, which he probably never did, but if he had to go for some strange reason, he would go in for 30 seconds, say Mazel Tov and leave. He didn't have time for anything. He was busy learning. When he wasn't busy learning, he was managing his business. He didn't have time for shtick. There was no time to schmooze and to battle and to waste. Every second was precious to him. And so, normally, his wife knew she'd, he'd go to a vart. He'd be back in ten minutes. But here, he went to the vart. You know, the vart was called for seven. He went at six thirty, and he wasn't home until eleven o'clock. She got nervous, and so. He finally came home and she says, where were you? I was going to call, like the, I was going to put out a all-point bulletin for you. Like, where were you? He says, what do you mean where were you? He says, normally you go to a bar, you're back in five, ten minutes, and that's the end of it. You were there for like four hours. He said, you have to understand something. Rabbi Kibager asked me to stand in his stead, to be there for him. He says, Shlucha Shaladim Kamaisai. He says, when I went to the bar, I had a din of Reb Kivager. I was Reb Kivager for that time that I was there. I was Reb Kivager. He says, if I have an opportunity to be Reb Kivager, I'm going to milk it for all it's worth. Uh, so I stayed. I came early, and I was the last guy to leave. I was Reb Kivager for the night. So this is Rafaim Zalman, who was a multi-multi-millionaire. He once was visited by Reb Itzel of Olajner. Reb Itzel of Olajner was the, was the Rav of Olajner, Rashiva of Olajner, and he came to visit him for tzedakah. And Reb Itzel asked him for a, for a nidav. He was expecting to get a lot of money. He was, you know, the Gadol Adar Reb and and he was going to a, a, a fellow Gadol, and he was expecting, like, big bucks. And, you know, sometimes if you're expecting a lot of money, a lot of times your expectations, you know, don't meet the reality. And, and he was a little disappointed with the check that Rafael Zalman gave him. He might have given him a check. It was a nice check, but it wasn't the check that he had in mind. And he looked a little despondent. And he was walking out, and then Rafael Zalman said to him, uh, Rabitzula, says, you know, I'm not just an ATM machine. Uh, you know, I'm also a Mechaber Svarim. says, did you ever look at my Svarim that, uh, that I wrote? You know, did, did you see the, the Chashva Svarim that I've written? And what do you think of them? So, Sir Bitzler said like this. He says, the Mata Ephraim that you wrote, it's Gewaldic. Gewaldic the Mata Ephraim. Unbelievable. 
and the Sharif Rayim is also very, very good. He says, and the Beis Ephraim is super. He says, but the Yad Ephraim, the Yad Ephraim's a little shvach. The Yad Ephraim's a little shvach. The hand of Ephraim, the, uh, I expected a little bit more from you. <laughs> and that's sort of what it's like. I mean, obviously, Ephraim Zam was no doubt the, you know, probably the biggest Baal of, of, he shouldn't walk away saying he was not giving what he was supposed to. But it sort of is a nice illustration taken in context of what an, an usher's responsibilities are. If a person was blessed with money, you can't, you can't just say, well, I'll give, like what everybody else is giving, I'll give my $18 checks, I'll give my $36, and I'll be yitzay. If you have millions of dollars, that's not cutting it. A person has to give what he is, what he's expected to give. And the usher that brings the carbon oil of the yard of an ani, it's not yitzay, they have us, it's chulun and that's what we learn, says the Chabetz Chaim. One of the things that we learn from this Chatas Eil of Somebody told me recently that somebody came to Rav Hutner once and asked Rav Hutner a shaila. Very wealthy Gavir came to Rav Hutner and asked Rav Hutner, "Should I make a very big chasna? I don't know what type of chasna to make. I'm marrying off a child." We have a choice here. I can make a very lavish chasna, you know, in the New York Hilton and make it, you know, a $100,000 chasna with flowers and this and that. $100,000 is, is out, I'm, I'm dating myself. That was like, you know, 20 years ago. Today it's probably $400,000. Or I can make a, you know, I can make a, a chasna in, in Williamsburg for a place for, for, for $10,000, $20,000. And I'm not sure which way to go. So he asked the Rosh Shiva what he should do. And one would think, you know, uh, we're living in the age of Takanis, one would think, Rav Hutner would, would say, you know, go with a cheaper Mahalach. What do you have to waste all the money for? But surprisingly, Rav Hutner told him, no, 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 go all out. Make a really Geshmaka Hasana. And people, and the guy walks so off happy. So the Talmudian that were sitting around, or the family, they asked, like, why? Why should he waste hundreds of thousands of dollars? Instead, you know, he could do other stuff with them, but why would you tell him to make such a fancy, lavish wedding? So if Huntner said a very insightful comment, he said, if a person is like this, a big gavir, is, is lavish with spending, then he could also be lavish with tzedakah. After all, you know, there's equal time. I spent $100,000 on the chasna, $200,000. I could give, I could give also a lot to Anim. I could be generous with Anim. Generous myself, I'll be generous with Anim. But the psychology of a human being is, if I feel that I'm like depriving myself of things, that I'm living very low, so then I'm not gonna give, I'm not gonna be inclined to be very generous with, with Anim either. I'll say, you know what, I'm living low. He's living low. We're both sort of the same. You're forgetting about, you know, the $20 million difference in the, in the bank accounts of the two of you. But that's okay. So if Hutner said that it's good for an usher to spend a lot of money, so like, at least then he's going to be used to spending. The checkbooks are, are rolling. But if a person is, is cheap, then it's a very big gate Sahara for him to not give. That's the way people are. You think, uh, millions of, I would win the lottery, then I'd build a yeshiva, I'd build a shul, I'd, uh, it doesn't happen. When a person is, is 
is, becomes wealthy, very often they're just as cheap as they were before they were wealthy. You're cheaper even because their money all of a sudden means a lot more to you because you have so much of it. It's like that defines you now. You don't want to part with it. But you have to give according to the shear that the Rabbi Yisrael gave you. That's a very important side that we learn from, from the Chathas Eilaviyarud. And now I want to tell you another important Yisrael, but the flip side of the same exact Yisrael. And it's from the Chinuch. This is the Sefer HaChinuch on this parasha in Mitzvah Kuf Chav Gimel. He writes like this. Ani behevi kisvai siira la yati yidei chabas. That's the guy's very, very poor. And he can't afford a kisvai siira. I can afford a silas. I can afford um sirim. But I can't afford a kisvai. It's out of my tax bracket. I can't. But yet, I borrow money or I steal money or I, or I, or I, uh, I do something crazy. I'm not expected to. But I really want to give the kiss for Seira. I want to give the best chattas that I could. So what would you say there? Is he yaitse or not? If you get, I understand maybe the, you know, the Gumar increases, that's, good svara. I'm an usher, I shouldn't give lower than I, I, but maybe if I'm an ani, I'm being mahadir, maybe there I'll be yaitse. So, the chinach says a very big chiddish. And he says, "La yatsa yidei chayvasei, v'vi shashem paytray." The Rebbeinu Shalom patterned you if you're an ani from giving more than that, and if you give more, you're not yaitzi. By the way, everybody argues with this chinuch. There's a, it's a very controversial chinuch, and there's a lot of tire that's written because there's, there's a by mitzayra you find a b'ferish gemara. That says that, uh, that the halacha is by mitzayra differently. The, that, that, that if a mitzayra that's poor gives a richer carbon, he also has an oil of yared. He also has a sliding scale carbon. Then he is yaitze. So where did the chinuch get this from? We don't know. There are a lot of Tyra written about it. There's a svasemis about it, um, and there's a, there's a, the Mishnah Melech. There's a lot of Tyra written about this chinuch, but this is the chinuch, and the chinuch continues, and the chinuch says as follows. Says, because Hashem patterned you from giving it, then you don't have to be madchik yourself to bring more. And then he says like this, as he always does. He always gives us a tangible muster the hair from this. From here is a raya, says the Chinuch, to our daily life. This isn't something that happened in biblical times or in times of, you know, in times of the Mishkan or the Mesa Mikdash. We could get a practical application from this carbon Diyarid. That a person who is not able to afford certain things should not push himself, should not borrow, should not beg in order to get, to do more than he has to. All you should do in life is spend according to your means. Because if not, when a person is used to borrowing on a credit card, credit card is the worst thing that ever was invented in human history. Why? Because what is the psychology, we're speaking psychology, psychologists must have a field day with credit cards. It's the most incredible thing in the world. 
I always tell people, my wife, that if you would, if you, if you would, if you would pay with cash, if let's say we took away the credit, let's say we, we rip up the credit cards, and we'd have to pay everything with cash. It means every time you go into a store, every time you go into a supermarket, every time you go into a department store, every time you're buying shoes, you have to pay with cash. And you count out the hundreds of dollars for the fashion in a pocketbook or whatever it is. One, two, three. You know, you're, you take your money, you run out of the store, you know, like, uh, like somebody was chasing you. I don't want to spend hundreds of dollars on this thing. The credit card makes it so easy. You know, there's no money involved. It's a piece of plastic. You give it to the guy, they swipe it or you swipe it and you, and you sign it and, and you worry about it at the end of the month. So you go into like Best Buy, and then there's there's minorities, people that clearly can't afford what they're purchasing, and they're schlepping out these huge plasma TVs, and they're they're, they're schlepping out you know computer systems and iPads and iPods. They can't afford it. It's on a credit card. It's fine. We could we'll worry. We'll, we'll give We'll give. We'll worry about it at the end of the month. The chinuch is saying that that's ridiculously stupid. He says if a person borrows and lives higher than his income, even though that seems to be the American way, you have to have an iPad, you have to have an iPod. How can you not have it? How can I not have it? It's cost me, a, it cost itself five, six hundred dollars, and then there's the internet, of, you know, charges, the Wi-Fi, and then on top of it, you got, uh, you know, the monthly payments for the phone, and all, uh, you know, but, but I need it, everybody has it, everybody has it. Do you have the money for it or do you not have the money for it? If you have the money, fine. But if you don't have the money, are you crazy? You're getting it because everybody else has it? If they could afford it, fine. If they can't afford it, they shouldn't be getting it either. But you can't get it if you can't afford it. And what happens, says the Chinuch, if you do it and you live above your means, he says you're going to start stealing, you're going to start swindling, and you're going to start cutting corners, and you're going to declare personal bankruptcy, and you're going to run away. You're going to do stuff that you should never, ever do. Why? Because you borrowed, and you're living higher than your level. From the carbon oil of the Yerid, see what a, what a, what a brittle, halachic carbon does to us. It teaches us financial lessons for life. An usher has to give generously according to his year. And an Ani has to live Pashat according to his shear. If an Usher acts like an Ani, he's not Yetzin. And if an Ani acts like an Usher, he's not Yetzin. It's a Gewaldig lesson. It's an unbelievable lesson. And that's what the Chinuch tells us. The Archas Yesher, the Archas Yesher, let me just tell you one other one other site that I saw on this. The Sefer Zav Mashpe from Ramesha Shmuel Shapiro Sefer on this week's parasha also. He brings a Sifra that says similar to the Chinuf that you shouldn't borrow. If you're an Ani, don't borrow to, uh, to get into a higher level carbon. You shouldn't do it. And he says, and he brings a Raya to this site about not borrowing how bad it is for a person to borrow, how bad it is to get into the habit of borrowing money, especially when you can't afford to pay it back. Meaning, if you're using a credit card, you have plenty of money in the bank. Credit cards are fine, in a sense, because as long as I can make the payments, I have the money in the bank, so it's a convenience. I don't have to schlep around thousands of dollars. 
But if you can't afford it and you have no idea how you're going to spend how you're going to pay for it at the end of the month, then it's a terrible thing. Borrowing money is the worst thing that a person can do. And he says that I'll bring you a raya from something that's in Yana, the Yana, the dollar price is Yana of Pesach. That the Gemara says in Arabic Sachim, that Afilu Ani should be Israel, everybody's entitled to dollar crisis, an entitlement. You have to have dollar crisis. Even an Ani, you have to collect for the, from the time. So the Rashi said, the Rashbam there says, that if you don't have the money for Dalit Kaisis, Yimkar Malbushai, sell the shirt off your back in order to pay. And then the Rashbam says, Ah Yilva, Ah Yimkar Es Atzmai. This is the order that the Rashbam puts it in. Here's the choices. You have num- choice number one, the first choice, the first resort is to sell the shirt on your back to pay for the Dalit Kaisis. The second choice is, if you can't do that, if you don't have a shirt on your back, then we'll allow you to borrow for the dollar crisis. And if not that, you can sell yourself into slavery just to get the dollar crisis. But Ramesh Shmuel Shapiro says, look at the order that the Rashbam is putting it in. How wise were people say, well, you know, a shirt on my back, I'm Bakavitik a mensch. Borrowing is much more gishmak. I borrow from somebody, do I have to pay him back? Maybe yes, maybe no, you know, I'll get around it. No, no, no. That's not the, that, that, there's a triage over here. The first thing that you gotta do is, you gotta sell the shirt on your back. That is my, the last resort, or the second to last resort is borrowing. Borrowing should be mamish, the last thing that a person ever does in his life. If a person borrows money, and he can't see any way that he's gonna really pay back, it's the silliest thing that a person can do. It's the most foolhardy, foolish, short-sighted thing, and people get into major financial hardships and troubles and nightmares because of this. The Rambam in Hilchas Deyes says this exactly. He says, Tamad Chacham Mechalkel Tevar B'Mishpat. He, he's Mechalkel, which means that he sort of prioritizes and he, and he's economical. Says, You live, you buy a house according to your, 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 what you're making. You don't buy more of a house. The whole housing bubble, the whole collapse of the economy that took place in 2008, 2009, took place. Everybody needs a house. Everybody took out a mortgage. They were giving, they were throwing mortgages at people. People could not afford to pay their monthly mortgage bills and they were all in default. They're all in foreclosure now. All because of this, this, it's a ridiculous thing. I bought a house, I couldn't afford it in a million years, so rent. Rent an apartment if you can't afford it. Nothing wrong with living in a basement or an apartment if you have to. To buy a house and you can't afford because that's the American dream? It's not And it leads to financial ruin. The Rambam is saying, you have to feed your family according to your mumman. To take them out to fancy restaurants every night. You can't, if you can't afford it, don't do it. Don't knock yourself out. Don't struggle. There's no reason for it. You don't have to spoil your kids with every single tchotchka if you, if you can't afford it. If you can, also you shouldn't. But if you can't, then what are you thinking? That's what the Ramam says. Reb Chaim Kanievsky, Mamish is very, very stark, but 
He says basically the same thing, but I want to I want to show it to you. He brings he he cites a he cites a beralacha in Hilchas Yantif. You have to see this inside. It's it's a crazy beralacha. The beralacha says in Tafkof Chaf Tes, which is Dine Simchas Yantif, and the Mechaber says he shouldn't be mitzamtzim beitzas Yantif. Don't. Don't be stingy. When it comes to Yantif, you know, go to pomegranate, get the best stuff, do it right. So Zotib Halacha. That might be true for Yantif. The tour. You have to be mitzamsim. In general, you gotta you gotta be very economical. Don't overspend if you can't afford it. Fine. We'll skip a little bit. This is an open criticism of our dar. Many people do not stick to this tour. All the luxuries. The things that we don't need. We're not talking about buying the basic necessities of life that you need. You need a shelter and you need food and you need... We're talking about the extras. Do you really need a sports car? Or do you really need a fancy, you know, fancy car? Do you really need certain furnishings in your home? Do you need to go on certain exotic vacations if you can't, if you can afford it? But if you can't, why is it like an entitlement that I need to do it, even if I can't afford to do it? And he says, the rabim Many people have fallen by the sword of this fallacy. It brings a person to stealing and to all types of, 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 of criminal activity. Come from it. Personal bankruptcy, not being able to have a home, not being able to have a credit card, not being able to have any line of credit because you've completely, and, and people will find out and people will know. All the busyness, why? Because we consumed and we consumed and we consumed without thinking. And then the, then the Chavitz Chaim, this is not politically correct, so if anyone is is into political correctness, they can leave. Now he gets on to the hood. What's the cause of this? Why do people do this? It's crazy. Why do people do this? Women are the cause of this, says the Chavetz Chaim. Shedaitan Kalos. Not going to touch that. Ve'enan Royais Hanoilod. And they're unable to see a little bit around the bend. They can't see. They just see today. Today I'm going to the the shopping mall, and today I'm going to get come back with a whole bunch of bags and shoes and dresses, and and uh, we can't afford it. Not Rice and Island. Everybody else in Shul has it. Everybody has it. Everybody wants. Everybody's going on vacations. Everybody goes to the bungalow colony in the summer, and everybody you know sends their kids to sleepaway camp. And so we have to do that also. We can't afford it. I don't know. I don't have an answer, but we have to do it. All I know is we have to do it. And so that says, that's one of the reasons. I mean, you know, you could blame it all on the women. The emphasis is that many men are more consumers than women. 
Sometimes it's the men that have the problem of spending. The women are very mitzamsim. But the men, they need to do it. They need to show off. They need the cars. They need the clothes. They need the ties. They need the, the hats. And, they, and they, they, they're the ones that are driving this insanity. The ashray Chavetz Chaim says, fortunate is a person that's tough. And doesn't buckle under the seductions of these, of these enticing purchases. And then he, 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 he directs us to a sefer that he wrote on the subject called Tzfas Tamim. But this is the Chavetz Chaim speaking and the just one more you cite, one more Maramakim is the Chazanish, who writes, Lizar Never borrow credit cards from friends, from family. If you don't have to, obviously, listen, there, there are times you have to borrow. There are times that, you know, you push it, can't pay the bills, where are you going to get the money from? So you need to borrow sometimes. We're not, I guess, talking about that. We're talking about cases that you're borrowing for ridiculous heights. Size. I have to go on a vacation, I'm going to go to my father, I'm going to go to my father, I'm going to go to my brother, to my cousin, to my friend, and ask him for a few thousand dollars. No, don't do it. You don't need the vacation. But I'm going crazy, I need to take a nice walk in the park, you'll be at the holidays. You don't need, sometimes there's, you have to know the difference between a necessity and a luxury. If it's a necessity, of course you have to do whatever you can to finance your family if, you, if the Rebbein Shalom didn't give you what you need. But when it comes to these luxuries and you can't afford them, then don't. Give it up. Give up your iPhone. Send it back. For a hundred reasons, give it up. But for if no other reason for the financial shackles that it's going to put a person in. You're moving to a neighbor. Which neighbor should I move to? I want to move to a place that, you know, that the taxes are $35,000 a year. Why are you moving there? Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's really nice out there and I get a big backyard. Are you crazy? You don't make that type of money. You're not making the taxes a whole year. How are you doing this? Yeah, but, but my wife wants me to go. I mean, yeah, you need a little sense. You need a little seichel. You have to be normal. You have to spend within your means. And the Chazanish says, don't borrow from anybody. Mutav linag bebracha shaltara. The Rabbi Hashem will bench you, but don't Come on to other people, says the Chazanish. This is the Yisait. It's the Yisait. Now, I know a, a lot of you are Bachrim, and Bachrim don't really probably perhaps understand what I'm talking about. Although when I was a Bachar, I had a friend who had a terrible addiction to spending. Terrible. I would go with him shopping somewhere, and I was always, you know, one of the Kamsanim, and I, you know, I would just go for the ride we'd go, we'd look, and we'd see, and I would come back with, with nothing, and, you know, the Sims bash, you know, you go to the Sims bash, it used to be a Leela Regal, every, every, you know, twice a year, you go up to the Sims, and everybody come, you know, and I used to come back with, like, if I was lucky, like a little pair of socks, and, you know, and everybody else was bringing, like, suits galore, and shoes, and ties, and, and you know, and sweaters, and, and, like, he had a bad addiction, I mean, this guy was mamish, it was very bad. And, and, you know, he would always come, he was a real consumer, mamish, a crazy consumer. And one time I told him, I said something, and he was getting, the bills were racking up, he was mamish deep in Chaybis, and it was getting very bad. I said, I said, Yossi, his name isn't Yossi, 
But I said, Yossi, give me, give me your wallet. Said, what do you want, my? I said, give me your wallet. I took out his credit cards. I took a pair of scissors. I, I slashed all his credit cards in half. I said, there's no more credit cards. If you want to buy something, you pay with cash. And to this day, he's, he's, he's macrotized to me. He got back, you know, he's able to pay back his chavis, and he's okay now. But there's a mishagas by men, by women, everybody has a mishagas. When you're a bacher, sometimes you don't know, you know, you could subsist as a bacher with five dollars in your pocket all week sometimes. When you're married, things change. Suddenly, you know, if you were able to subsist on, on, you know, on, on two hundred dollars a month, now you need three thousand dollars a month between your rent and between your insurance and between your car payments and between your, your phones and your this and your that, it, it, it spirals, it snowballs. And suddenly a person sees that he doesn't have the ability to do this anymore. And so before this happens, whoever came to the schmooze, I hope you remember it. If you need it now, use it. If you don't need it now, bookmark it. But you will use it someday. You have to make sure that when you are Married, and even before that, when you're dating, you discuss these things. You discuss spending. You discuss spending within your means. You discuss understanding how we're not spending more than we're coming in. Every accountant can tell you. You know, you have a balance sheet. You have income, and you have things that go out. You have you have assets and liabilities and expenses, and they all somehow have to match up. And if they don't match up, you're in Gahaktitzaris. That's what, that's what accounting is basically all about in a nutshell. You have to make sure that the Haitzaris are not more than what you're coming in. And so this is very critical information. This is something, it's not a normal shmuz, it's not about it's not it's something that's very lamaisa. It's money. And money is something that you need in life, but money is something that you live by and you die by. And you have to make sure to knock into your brain early on. Get the right hashkafa when it comes to money. Don't use credit cards when you can't afford it. Don't buy more than you can afford. Don't buy a bigger house than you can afford. Don't buy a bigger car than you can afford. Don't buy more suits and more clothing and more and more. Don't. Because what it's doing is it's sinking you. You're going to sink like a stone deep in the depths of of death. And it's something that you have to be so careful with. Because there are so many people in life that are living in crisis mode. Not because they're not making enough money. They were making enough money. They're making fine. But because of these extra financial undertakings that they were, that they took upon themselves for no other reason than the fact that they wanted it they wanted the luxuries, they wanted the, the gashmias, they wanted the gaiva, the covered. It's real life we're talking. It's not monopoly money. It's real. And a person that is straddled with chayvis will be straddled sometimes for the rest of his life trying to pay up the chayvis and the ribis of the chayvis from the credit card company. They're not in business just to lay out money. They want to make, they want you to fail. They're looking for you to struggle and to, and to fall because that's when they're able to move in and take stuff from you. Be very careful before you sign up for a credit card. Be very careful before you use a credit card. Every time you spend money, make sure to ask yourself, is this something that I need or is it something that I don't need? Is it something that I could do without or is it vital that I have? If it's something you could do without, do without it. You know, we, 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 when we were redoing our basement, 
couple of years ago. It was the most depressing and eye-opening experience I ever had in my life. We had to throw out, you know, when you redo your basement, you know, so you have to really clear it out so that they could, they could do, uh, you know, it was like basically it wasn't a basement, it was just a storage area. So then we wanted to make it usable room, so we had to clear out all the junk. And so you would see by my driveway, you know, when, when the day before the garbage truck comes, things, and I was looking, I was like, you know, I was, I was walking around this stuff, and I was saying, Lamat Hashem, like, how much of the stuff was ridiculous to buy? How much, of, but how much of the stuff, when we bought it, we thought, oh, this is going to be really, this is going to be a big Yeshua, you know, some stupid, you know, uh, you know, exercise equipment that was, you know, you knew you weren't going to use it for more than a few days, and it sits there, you know, and uh, you can use it to hang your pants and shirt on at night, but that's about it. You know, all these types of chachkas and junk and games. And like, you look at it like, it's nimas. It's like, what do I need this for? And you're throwing in the garbage truck thousands of dollars worth of junk. You never need it. You shouldn't have bought it. And for what? But at the time, at that point of purchase, you obviously it was important for you to bring it to the cash register and buy it. But you didn't really need it. It was all a tie. So it was all a, it was tamashtus. But we do this every day. Every day we go and we buy more than we have to and we get ourselves deeper into this endless cycle of spending and consumerism and gashmias, materialism, and none of it is good. And we have the chinuch to back us up. We have the chavetz chayim, the bi'alacha of the chavetz chayim. And we have the chazanish, Rameshmo Shapiro. Don't borrow. This isn't my, my advice. This isn't some radio personality's advice. This is Gidele Hadayres' advice. Don't borrow. Don't spend. If you're an Ani, be an Ani and be, be happy being an Ani. But don't try to be an usher because it ain't working. It never did and it never will. Just like an usher has to spend appropriately for his tzedakah and cannot feign Anios, an Ani must never feign Ashiros because if he does... It's like Yatsi Dei Chaybasa, that's not what the Rebbein Shalom wants. And Mitzvah Hashem, hopefully these Yisaitis will sink into all of us and will be Zeichem, Mitzvah Hashem, to have a life full of joy and Parnassah and